Welcome to Student Talk, Curtin University Edition, an official podcast from the Australasian College of Paramedicine. In this series, we discuss hot topics, ideas and tips for paramedic students. We hope you enjoy it. Here is your host for today. Welcome everybody. My name is Sam Willis and I'm the Discipline Lead for Paramedicine here at Curtin University in Western Australia. It's an absolute pleasure to be talking with third and final year student paramedic Marco Scavacci. How are you today, Marco? I'm good, thanks, Sam. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, I'm very interested to be talking to you about the, uh, the, the topic that you've raised. As a, It's very interesting. Um, today, you want to talk about your earlier experiences of being a student paramedic. Now, it's no, it's no surprise or secret that in that first set of clinical shifts that you, have, that you do on, the, on an ambulance, it comes with a whole range of opportunities, but also challenges. You know, if you think about what you're trying to achieve on that first set of shifts, you've got a lot of things that are competing. You know, you're trying to have access to hands-on patient care to be able to learn how to, to do your, 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 your craft. You're, le- you're learning how to um, work in the fast-paced environment of out-of-hospital care. And you're trying to apply that knowledge that you gain in, in a classroom to a hands-on patient care situation. So I definitely agree that the subject that you've raised is absolutely one of importance. And I think the audience will definitely want to hear from you now that you've gone through the full three years of the program and you're looking to graduate uh, in, the, in the coming months. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that period of time for you when you were a, a, a newly um, a new student going into clinical placement for the first time. Can you tell us what you've experienced, including what you were thinking and feeling? Yeah, sure. So early on, initially, you face the challenges with rope learning or the content from the college about your industry's guidelines and standards. Um, then sometimes Archie found it easier to do skills on mannequins as opposed to real life because you realistically knew it wasn't a real person, but there just isn't no way to practice these skills um, for students other than using mannequins. But then once you were on the job, in real jobs that were quite serious, that had say multiple casualties um, in trauma, it didn't matter how hard I had studied, your brain naturally goes blank because of that new exposure and that anxiety that you feel. Like you almost feel like a deer in the headlights and um, almost like you should be doing more, even though that was an expectation that you put on yourself as opposed to my mentors or peers putting onto me. And it just, it takes time to build that confidence and develop skills. And early on in your career, you actually haven't got any of the advanced skills that you can perform. So I think it's important just to refine the basics of what I could do so the rest of the team could build on what I had found. So whether that's just giving basic, doing a basic assessment, an A to E, finding what I found, giving some pain relief, and then getting the rest of the team to carry on so I can get that exposure to see how, how we can deal with these big jobs. And essentially it requires you to work as a team. 
No, and I, I absolutely agree with everything you've said there. And the biggest thing that you've said that definitely resonates with me as a lecturer and the experiences and things that I hear, the experiences I've had is about time. The idea that it takes time to develop those skills. Um, and, and let's face it, when we go out into practice, it's very normal to be looking at other qualified experienced clinicians and saying, wow, these people are great at what they do. And I think it's important that we stop and pause and think, well, it's taken time. They've gone through the process, same as I'm now going through it. And it doesn't just come overnight. It, it comes over time with lots of hard work, lots of studying, lots of personal challenges, lots of reading and learning and going through all the different stages that's required of you. So I definitely think that's an important one to, um, to think about, the idea that it takes time. I liked what you said as well about how it's very different treating a mannequin. It's great because mannequins don't talk back and they don't demonstrate pain and they don't have the human responses. Um, and I, I must admit, the high, high fidelity simulation is getting much better, but there's really no comparison when it comes to a human being. You know, there is, there's no comparison there, but, but it's, it's better now than it ever has been. You know, these mannequins that can cough, talk and bleed and, yeah. you know, take blood pressures and vital signs. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but I agree that there's no, there's no, um, and I, what I always say to students is that it's one thing learning the technical knowledge in the classroom. It's then another thing applying it on a mannequin. And then it's another thing completely applying it on a patient. So it's like you go through these at least two stages of trying to get that knowledge into practice. So what do you think then were your biggest barriers at that? So thinking back right back to that period of time, what do you think your biggest barriers were? So I think the biggest barriers, one of them is essentially yourself, because you're thinking that other paramedics are judging your ability because you being first on scene and then being the backup crew, and all you've done is a basic A to E assessment and given some minor pain relief. In and then like reflecting on it, in hindsight, everyone was actually really close to the job and not much more could have been done without an extra set of hands. So I think you, you you put a lot of pressure on yourself to perform early on, where I think once you get used to, used to, you know, things take time. And when you first start, you're gonna do things a bit slower than your paramedic. And that's okay, because it's about, it's about that repetition and learning those skills. And then eventually you just naturally get quicker. And then, the other barrier was you just don't have the training and advanced skills yet, which I saw as a barrier because it was out, it's outside of your scope initially. And the patient's pain was um, a bit more extreme than what I could manage just with basic pain relief. So essentially not performing advanced skills like cannulations was sort of where the job couldn't progress any further unless someone who was trained to insert the can cannula came along. Uh, the leadership on this scene was something I hadn't developed yet, but it was good to see how well other paramedics led the job and guided you um, to gain that experience to develop my own leadership styles. And just the clear communication with co-workers and patients, it, you can also calm pe people's pain levels down. So it was, it was good to see that early on and provide that reassurance. So and just that good support for myself and the patient as I knew what, uh, what my paramedic wanted me to do and was guiding us through what was happening, which I thought was impressive because he could have just 
done certain skills and then talked to me afterwards about what had happened. But he just, that multitasking skill was something that I was quite impressed with. Yeah, and, and again, I'm, I'm hearing lots of different things in particular, the time takes time, time, time. Mm. And, yeah. um, and it's not unusual. It's great that you're able to, um, to reflect on the idea of yourself being your biggest barrier because some, sometimes just acknowledging that is a really good step in the right direction. You know, we do compare ourselves. We do put pressure on ourselves to, to, to be the best that we can be. You know, we do have to take responsibility for our learning and for, for everything we do in the back of an ambulance. And, um, but when you're brand new, you're dead right. Think, just going back to something you said earlier, you don't have the, the context, you don't have the experiences to be able to, you're still learning, you're a student, you're allowed to be learning, you're allowed to be guided by your mentors. Um, yeah. And I found, you know, I didn't have the leadership then, but it was good to see that leadership because I reflect now to jobs I do now of a similar nature and I'm, I'm guiding other students, even though I'm not technically a paramedic yet, but it's like, okay, I, I've actually gotten to that stage where I could see myself becoming a paramedic now because I've got that leadership. I'm starting to really develop it and I can just start to refine it now. No, that's good. Isn't it a great place to be where you sat at the end mm. of the program, you're ready to go into autonomous practice. If going, having gone through all the, the learning and the, all the things that you'd explained here. And I, I particularly yeah. want to draw attention to something else you said. You said you don't have the training in the advanced skills, which was, you didn't use the word frustrating, but through what I've read and experienced and the conversations I have with clinicians, it is frustrating because you know what needs to be done, but you're just not able to do it because of your scope of practice. So I just wanted to acknowledge that that's, that's an actual thing. And, it, and it's, it's, it's well documented in the literature when you have clinicians who know what needs to be done, but they're not able to do it. Um, and, and that's just something that I wanted to pick up on. Um, and it's great that um, you acknowledge that you didn't have the leadership at first, but now, again, through this idea of time, you're now demonstrating that leadership. So if, not, if people listening to this don't get anything else out of this other than be patient with yourself, be patient with the process, keep working hard, and it will happen over time, then that's a, a, a fantastic takeaway message. Um, just, just again, thinking right back to that period of time, I know it was a few years ago now, but during that period when it was your first placement, what do you think you needed the most from that environment when you were brand new? For example, mentoring, incident debriefing, what do you think it was that you needed the most? So I, I personally think the mentoring and the leadership was something that I consider the most important in that stage of my career. The... The mentoring on that job was important for me because we talked about potential scenes that we could come across on the way to the job and the associated injuries that we could find. So, you know, for, for a new student, we had discussions what on what I should initially do. So I was prepared with the job when we arrived. So I was prepared with what I was going to, with potentially what I was going to find, but also what was required for me. And I, I personally believe like a good mentor needs to be able to support you on scene while still maintaining adequate care of the patient. Sometimes that's gonna require good leadership and it might be as simple as recognizing that they have multiple objectives that need to be done and they may want to delegate some skills to others if possible. I actually thought this was done 
quite well when we first arrived as I was tasked with assessing the patient while my paramedic sort of surveyed the scene to see how many other patients were injured and to determine the mechanism of injuries because that information is important for the hospital as well and what other resources. So it was almost, he almost did the whole methane report while giving, while delegating a task to me. And then also the debriefing after the job was also important to see what others thought went well and didn't go quite so well. Because you don't, I think initially you, you get very focused on your just when you're a new student, just on that one task, but there's actually a bigger picture with other things going on and you need to understand that as well. Yeah, and I and I would have to um, agree that you've chosen a topic that is that is one that it was that is routinely cited in the literature. You know, the idea of the importance of the mentor in your development and your growth, and they, the mentors do have a very challenging role to play because, as you've alluded to, they have to treat the patient first and foremost, and patient care and patient safety has to be a priority, while at the same time trying to take into consideration your own learning and growth needs. And it sounds like the mentors that you've had have really supported you in your growth when you talk about them delegating things to you and pre-scene debriefing and discussing what to do when you arrive on scene. Well, certainly in the research that I've been doing for my current studies, uh, whereby I distributed a national survey to student paramedics across Australia, quality of mentoring came up highly as, as not just desirable, but absolutely essential in the growth of you as a student. Um, and it can cause give you both a positive experience and negative. So that's fantastic that you've you've identified mentoring as crucial because what that means is when you go out there, you can do your mentor training and remember back to what it was like being a student and use all of those experiences to, to be the best mentor you can be. Thanks, uh, Marco. So I suppose the final thing I just want to ask you is we um, all around Australia, there'll be students who are going on to placement for their very first time. What are there any tips that you could give those students about that very first placement? Yeah, sure. So I think the biggest one, and I think we all do it, is um, don't be too hard on yourself. So just be prepared to make mistakes and reflect on them, but don't dwell on them. If you need to, you can speak to someone about it or see how you can improve for next time. But Essentially, what I'm trying to say is it's not the be all and end all. And I guarantee your mentor or someone else um, has made the exact same mistake. It's, it's, it's an only a normal, it's a normal part of learning. And I think in, importantly to reflect on the jobs before you get there and after doing the jobs, um, this, I feel like this not only prepares yourself but it also allows you to see how you can improve afterwards and just try and obtain feedback where you can, so you can build on your skills for next time that you attend something similar to this job. I think that would be my biggest tips, but I think the most important one is the first one about being prepared to make mistakes. And it's only once you start seeing your paramedic who you've looked up to make a little minor mistake and you have a bit of a laugh about it, then it's like, okay, actually, he's not this super um, human person. He's actually just a normal human being and he makes mistakes just like I do. 
Yeah, th thanks, Marco. Those are really, really good um, words of advice. And I like this idea of how you might see your the, the paramedic that you're working with as this superhuman being, because I think that comes down to the internal expectation I mean, uh, of, of, a, of a person. And I, I, I really like the idea of reflecting. I'm a big fan of reflective practice before, during and after, and particularly during by asking yourself questions like, am I doing the right thing? Do I need any more information? Can I make the patient more comfortable? And so you're reflecting on action and inaction. So inaction is what I'm referring to, but on action is afterwards. And it's a very, very powerful way of learning. I definitely agree that you shouldn't be too hard on yourself because when you're a novice, when, you're that, when you've just got into the ambulance that first time, you're not really expected to be able to do too much. If you can do a blood pressure and take a pulse, then that's already a win-win situation because if you've only ever done them on mannequins then it's different the context is different and I particularly liked what you said about get, gaining feedback that ties into a situation a story that one of the other students in your year told me about um, whereby they were facing some challenges with their mentor when, but they, they were hesitant to, to raise it with their mentor for so, all sorts of internal reasons when they took the courage to speak to their mentor about it, the mentor had no idea that their student was feeling that way. So I absolutely agree. And when they, when they did realize they were feeling that way, they changed things to help support the student. So I really like your idea of talking to your mentors, trying to obtain feedback. And just to take from, from my perspective, what the students have told me this semester, go that one step further. And if you've got a concern, raise it with them because they might not know that there's an even, a concern that even exists. Um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I have to. I have to agree with that last point. Yeah, because it's. it's it, and I've done a bit of mentoring before, so I, I can completely understand it. But sometimes when I, I've actually confronted a mentor, I've actually gotten that response where they're like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't realize that was a problem," or like that actually really acknowledged it and adapted their styles. So I. It's something that people go sometimes, oh, you can't say anything. But if you don't say anything, then they don't actually know that they're doing something that bothers you or doing something that doesn't necessarily work for you. No, yeah, thanks for sharing that, because I, I agree. Sometimes people will be concerned about raising something. I, I do believe there's something around how you raise it, because if you were that mentor receiving that mm. feedback, how, what, how would you like to be spoken to? So I think empathy will take you a long way. But yeah. um, from, from my experiences and your experiences, I don't think mentors generally would mind too much if it's something that's pressing. And I think good, communicates, good communication is actually essential in both of these relationships. Yeah. So thank you very much for your time today. Is there anything else that you would like to say before we log off? Any final comments about that particular period of time? Uh, uh, I think that's it, Sam. You've covered yeah. all the bases. Yeah. <laughs> You've covered all the bases. Thanks, Marco. Well, it's been great talking to you and um, I will see you very soon. Thanks, Marco. Thank you for listening. You can find more great content on our website, paraminutes.org. Or if you have any questions, contact us on education at paraminutes.org. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.